Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, welcome back. Today we're talking about the 1997 Australian comedy film, Welcome to Whoop Whoop. This is based on the novel The Dead Heart by Douglas Kennedy. And according to Wikipedia, which I trust for everything, <laughs> Whoop Whoop is Australian for bumfuck Egypt. <laughs> yeah. Movies rated R runs 106 minutes and currently has a 37% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's got a 63% audience rating, which I guess is pretty typical for a cult film. Oh, yeah. Uh, typical cult film roles like uh, no one, no one's seen it, but the people that have seen it love it. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, the people I talk to is like uh, they haven't seen it, but I, I've seen it and I love it. Yeah, there you go. What's kind of interesting is this movie was made by the guy who made an audience participation cult movie. And this movie contains audience participation movies. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of weird. It was made on a budget of $10 million based on the performance of the director's previous film. It grossed just under $500,000 in Australia. The uncompleted film was screened out of competition at Cannes Film Festival in 1997 and was not received well at all. But like we said, it has become a cult classic since then. It feels like Mad Max dreamed of going to Broadway and starring in South Pacific. <laughs> Movie was directed by Stephen Elliott, best known for his second film, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, an absolutely fantastic movie. Yeah, it's a pretty good movie. Drew Carey Show did an episode where they were arguing over which was the best midnight movie, Rocky Horror Picture Show or Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. <laughs> and, I mean, I've got my favorite, but, you know. I don't know, man. I can just imagine uh, Mimi with her face dressed like painted up like Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty rough. Uh, Drew Carey was meatloaf. That makes sense. And um, I think uh, Diedrich Bader was riffraff. Yeah, it was pretty bizarre. This guy's probably Stephen Elliott, probably best described as somebody who wants to put Broadway on the movie screen, but doesn't really understand that Broadway doesn't belong on the movie screen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it kind of worked for Hairspray, but that's about it. Yeah, but Hairspray is like a John Waters movie turned into a musical, turned into a movie. Right. Like a yeah. bunch of steps. They got really refined. Uh, this guy's stuff. <laughs> It's like big and dreamy, but it's it's the same time it's kind of like generic, uh, generic bullshit, right? But I like like the weird zaniest of it. Like uh, Priscilla Queen of the Desert was like a really weird concept. Three drag queens just going across, you know, Australia. Uh, one of them's uh, like going to go find his like son and like start a relationship with him. This one, uh, even weirder because it's like a stranger in a strange land kind of situation where you got like an American. In the outback, 
dealing with weirdos, you know, and uh, yeah, like uh, the photography are really similar. Like this guy's got that kind of vibe. Like all his stuff kind of has like that same kind of. I don't know. It's weird. You just got to see it. Like like the kind of camera shots that they use and like the music selection. It's yeah. like campy and shit. Yeah, that's, that really is. It was written by Stephen Elliott and Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, known for Lady Hawk and The Hunger, uh, which was a 1983 vampire love story starring Catherine Deneuve, Susan Sarandon, and David Bowie. Another movie that nobody's ever heard of that I absolutely love. Yeah, I love both those. Both those the shit. And if you try to tell anybody about them, they're like that. Never. You'd have to like go and find like a weirdo movie person, and they yeah. already know. So it's like you know. And and this movie didn't fail because of the people that were working on it. This movie failed because of the director, a hundred percent. And here's some examples of why: set decorator Susan Mayberry who worked on Space Above and Beyond, Ghost Rider, Scooby-Doo, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, the, the set decoration on this movie is is amazing. It's like a spaghetti western, and like Crocodile Dundee had a baby. Yes. They got this big bar thing, and like the, the, the factory that they got. And the I don't know where they found all the plastic Barbie dolls. Man, I'm pretty sure they went around like every fucking Barbie shop or like <laughs> right? bought them by the truckload. It's creepy as hell, too. It's kind of like Stuff. that. Uh, oh, man. What's that? Dan Aykroyd movie? Nothing but trouble. Yeah. It's like that house, but they made an entire like small village. Yeah, it's exactly. Like out and insane, you know. Special effects coordinator John Bowring, who worked on Crocodile Dundee, Alien Covenant, Farscape, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, and probably a movie that needs to be on our list, Me and My Mates versus the Zombie Apocalypse. Damn, that sounds cool. That sounds like uh, Australian Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> and stunt coordinator Rocky McDonald, he's worked on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Mission Impossible 2, The Great Gatsby, Mad Max, Fury Road, and Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Damn. Again, everything goes back to Power Rangers. Everything goes back to Power Rangers. No Bond villains in this one, but yeah, Power Rangers, Bond, or uh, something else that always pops up in our films. I don't know what it is. I can't remember what it is now. I do know that the bad guy in this could probably be like a really good Bond villain. He could, yeah. Yeah, I'd see that. Movie stars Jonathan Sheck as Teddy. He appeared in Tom Hanks' directoral debut film, That Thing You Do. He's also in Prom Night, Cold Case, The Legend of Hercules, Sleepy Hollow, Batwoman, and the latest incarnation of Creepshow. Yeah, I remember him like in the 2000s, like in a bunch of shitty ass horror movies yeah and that thing you do like every, everything everybody that was in that movie like went on to do like good shit right yeah you look at this guy's imdb page he's got a hundred movies and most of them are really crappy horror films that i've never heard of oh man yeah like from like the late 90s to like the late 2000s like that guy was just raking in crap movies straight to video store shit yep Rod Taylor as Daddy O. He has appeared in Inglorious Bastards, 
the time machine, the birds. On TV, he appeared in Murder, She Wrote, Falcon Crest, and Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah, I love this guy, man. Talking about, like, just hamming it up and chewing the scenery. Yeah. I don't know if this guy's acting. Like, it's just like he's an animal, and they let him off the chain, and they put him in front of a camera, and he goes crazy. Like, uh, I don't know. This is delivery and shit. Like, the faces he makes in the camera. Yeah. I really like his performance. I mean, he plays a, a troubled bad guy really, really well. Oh, yeah. It's like a, a Australian Robert Mitchum kind of. Yeah. Susie Porter as Angie. She's best known for a string of Australian films and TV shows, including East West 101 and Puberty Blues. She also appeared in Star Wars 2, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. I didn't know that. I'm going to have to look that up next time I watch that. But, uh. I love her. And, you know, she's fucking, she steals everything she's in. Her, uh, she's got some really funny lines. She's got the best line in the whole movie. She does. Yeah. Yeah. D Smart as Crystal, known for Water Rats, Blackwater Trail, and Home and Away. She's got that face that you think you've seen before, but you can never place it. Yeah. It's like nine tick, like cross section on Law and Order or some shit. Yeah. Uh, I like her in this movie. She's pretty good. I, I like, yeah, you're right. I've, I know I've seen her in other stuff because I watch a lot of like Australian movies, uh, especially uh, uh, Ausploitation. Like, I like that shit. Yeah. I, yeah, I look at her IMDb. I, I know I've seen something, but uh, yeah, she's got that face. Yeah, she definitely has that face. But um, yeah. So the movie opens up in an alley in New York as two women meet somebody they call Mr. Bojangles to purchase <coughs> black, black market Italian cockatoos. He is dressed like a 1970s pimp. And the two women are played by Chelsea Brown and Tina Louise, best known as Ginger on Gilligan's Island. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I, I remember back then, shit, like renting it from movie gallery. I was like, oh my shit, that's fucking... Ginger and shit. I love that. Yeah. A street kid is watching all of this. The kid says he should turn the birds loose because it's almost Christmas. So, Mr. Bojangles, this is Teddy. Um, he gives the kid a candy bar to shut him up. <laughs> to almond joy. Well, as the ladies are starting to haggle over the price of these cockatoos, two guys show up to collect money that Teddy owes a loan shark. And and this is so funny. They tell the women to just leave, and, and they refer to Tina Louise as Skull Lady and Co. Teddy tries to talk these guys into giving him more time to pay up, and they're going to shoot him when Sylvia, the woman who was with Teddy in this truck, gets out with a couple of guns of her own. She's an exotic dancer, dressed in lots of pink sequins and a cowboy hat. Yeah. She she looks like a cowboy hooker. Yeah. Like straight up. I know I've seen her in other stuff too. She, she's great. But yeah, she just uh like busts out the truck like half drunk. One's like like I don't know, like a Beretta or some shit. And the other one's like a fucking revolver. It looks like one of those fake cap guns. Yeah. Uh she is an exotic dancer. And when one of the guys asks, is that like a stripper? She screams that she is classically trained. <laughs> Chris Rock's famous stripper myth is working her way through college. <laughs> There's no sex in the champagne room. 
Well, these guys keep giving her crap until she shoots one of them in the foot. And Teddy asks her, are you on drugs? She, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The way this lady's talking, she tells thumbs off, you know. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Yeah, she's got in the foot. And then the other guy, like, I don't know why it's stupid. He just handcuffs her to him. And then she just shoots him. And then he's right. down in the alley. That's wild. Yeah, Teddy yells at her, you can't shoot somebody in the foot. And she's, this is America. I can shoot whoever the hell I want. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can, you can think whatever you want, man. But this is really probably how most of the world views America. When oh, we've got yeah. 113,000 people a year getting shot in this country, we have a fucking problem. Yeah, I know. This month alone, right? So yeah, she shoots the guy. She gives she had tossed some handcuffs to to the other loan shark goon to handcuff himself to a pipe, and he wasn't gonna do that. She ends up killing the guy that she shot in the foot. Uh, the other goon grabs her and she's yelling at Teddy. And so while she's distracted, the guy handcuffs Sylvia to him. So yeah, she just shoots him in the chest. So she's handcuffed to this dead guy. By this time, we can hear sirens in the background. Teddy is wishes her good luck, and he, and he's getting the hell out of there. That's fucking um, insane. It is. It was- Teddy's running through Manhattan, chasing his birds, and everywhere he goes, people on the street are just pulling out their guns and shooting at the birds. Everybody in New York, yeah, that it, it is like how America's or America's perceived by every like other nation and shit. It's just it's crazy. Uh, old ladies, uh, you know, just every, everybody. Well, Teddy told her that he's headed to Australia to follow his birds. Then we get a Boy George song as the opening credits roll. Hadn't heard from Boy George in a while. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. What's that? Careless Whisper or some shit? I don't know. I hear that every once in a while. That was George Michael. Oh, wait. That yeah, was Wham. I- that was Wham. This is Culture Club. Okay, yeah, I'm getting my George's mixed up. Yeah. So when the credits finish, we see Teddy in Australia. He's driving a VW microbus at night, and uh, a kangaroo is standing in the middle of the street. He swerves to miss it. He doesn't hit anything, but for some reason, the horn gets stuck. I never had a Volkswagen. I had a little old, 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 like a 1978 Toyota Celica. That the horn would get stuck on, and I wanted to find out why, so I took the steering wheel apart. And it turns out there's just a little piece of foam rubber in there as the spring for the for the horn switch. It's stupid. I had a Dodge something other. I was like little shit cars, like red and stuff. But yeah, it had a a fuse problem where the horn would go go off like no reason. <laughs> well, it turns out after he gets the horn cut off, he walks back out in the street, and he actually. He sees that he hit the kangaroo, but the kangaroo's not quite dead. So he decides to finish it off by bashing it with a guitar, an acoustic guitar, not an electric one, which would have done the job, but an acoustic one, which definitely would not. It's like trying to break a baseball bat with a pinata. (laughs) Next morning, Teddy wakes up. He was sleeping in the bus. He pulls into an outback town for gas i say town it's really just a gas station in the middle of nowhere yeah he also pays 10 bucks to take a shower because that's what the shower costs that gas station attendant is like the nastiest looking dude i've ever seen 
And he's also completely fucking blind. Yeah. He's blind. He's wearing like old lady sunglasses. One of, one one of, of the, the lenses, lenses has, has like broken. Band-aid. Yeah, one of the lenses broke and he put a Band-Aid on it to hold it together. That's how blind the guy is. I don't know if he's got like moles or if those are dead flies on his face. He's I don't got know. like every stain imaginable. Oh, God, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> There's also a bunch of really nasty people lying around the gas station. And this guy is blind, so he's banging on the side of the microbus trying to find the gas cap. That, yeah, I thought that was funny. He's just like poking it. He's like, <laughs> oh, there, there we go. Okay, yeah. Around back at the open air shower, a girl is watching Teddy. This is Angie. And she's eating a candy bar as she watches the show, really getting an eyeful. Teddy asks her for a towel, but she says the towel costs extra. And she appears to be fascinated by the fact that he's an American. Meanwhile, the blind gas attendant has run $95 worth of gas out on the ground. <laughs> it's just, just overflowing. He's just standing there. <laughs> shit. Well, Teddy pays the blind attendant. And he tries to, tries to fool him. But you know, the, the bills there are apparently textured, and uh, Teddy ends up paying him for the gas. He also finds out that he's got a couple passengers he didn't know he had. A guy named Leon in the back seat, and, well, Angie's in the front seat eating another candy bar. Of course. She loves her candy bars. Back on the road, Angie offers a te- Teddy a bite of her candy bar. It's a cherry ripe which is an Australian candy bar, kind of like an Almond Joy, but with cherries instead of almonds. That sounds gross. I'd eat it. I don't know, man. Maybe. Uh, I'd try it anyway. Yeah, I'd try it. I mean, if, if a chick like that was like offering me a bite of candy bar, of course. Yeah, I love but, that little Mexican coconut candy. Those aren't bad. Yeah, those are pretty good. I love those. But yeah. Now, they stop at what looks like a dry lake bed to drop off Lionel. He is missing a shoe. But not because he lost one, is because he found one. Hell yeah. He also wants to borrow 20 bucks and promises to pay it back. And he says, look, I'm going to do you a favor and not loan you the money. Because if I loan you the money, you're never going to be able to pay it back. And then it'll just eat at you forever. So I'm actually helping you out. <laughs> Angie tells him to shut up and give him 10. So he does. Angie also warns him to watch out for the big red. We're going to hear about the big red later. Angie is playing with the radio and finds some pop reggae, which she's never heard before, and that freaks her out. Apparently, where she's from, the only music they get on the radio is Rogers and Hammerstein, which she thinks is one person named Rogerson Hammerstein. Yeah, it's like Alice Cooper and shit, man. (laughs) This leads to Angie and Teddy singing songs from South Pacific as they head down the road. Angie asks if Teddy's married, and when she learns that he's single, they have to have sex in the back of the microbus, and you get a real good shot of Teddy's alligator skin cutoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's a male stripper, man. I don't know. Yeah, I think that was part of that that New York uh, pimp gear he was wearing. Yeah. It's rough. I've never seen alligator cutoffs, and I don't want to. Yeah. But this leads to several days of nonstop sex on the side of the road. When Teddy finds out that Angie was a virgin, he gets pretty upset about that because, well, he didn't know that that was the case. And so he didn't get to enjoy 
being her first time. So he's kind of put out by that. She explains that when you grow up and whoop whoop, everyone's related. So sex is forbidden. Uh, she's pretty sure that he's going to dump her, but he assures her that he won't. And he will also take her to the sea because she's never been there. They arrive at the beach and Andy's like a kid playing in the water, except she's topless again. Of course. Angie gets out of her clothes really fast in this. Yeah. She wants Teddy to say that he loves her. And so he does. And as soon as he does, um, she knocks him out. <laughs> That's great timing, too, man. She like runs back from the water. And uh, what's it like? Uh, that fucked the man in the moon for like a cherry ripe or something like that. And he comes out with his little magic trick, like candy bar boom in his hand and then she just runs up and just cold cocks the hell out of him yeah teddy wakes up in a hog pen with white stuff all over his face and in his hair his hair's all pushed up buster poindexter style i love Bunge uh buster poindexter man <laughs> oh dude the new york dolls rule yeah he's wearing just his tidy whities when a guy tosses a bucket of water on him Says he's Uncle, he's Teddy's Uncle Reg, and he brought Teddy a couple of beers because he has to stay hydrated until the drugs wear off. Oh man, Uncle Reg, that character's the shit. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, pretty out there. The local guru and uh, slash radio uh, DJ. It's like, like if it's Mash, it would be a, a cross between uh, Jim from Taxi. And uh, Radar from MASH. And Tommy Chong. Tom, yeah, Tommy Chong. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, Teddy stumbles out to find the whole town arrayed to meet him. Angie's there with her mom, Ginger. Ginger has really, really bad gas. Oh, man. She <laughs> rips some of the loudest, nastiest farts through this whole movie. Yeah. I mean. And just says, uh, pardon. Pardon. Plumbing's busted. <laughs> the faces this lady makes really sells these farts. I mean, put farts yeah. in anything, just edit it into the soundtrack, or whatever. It, it won't be that funny. This lady's face sells it every time. She, yeah, she's got a fantastic squeezing one out face. Yeah. Well, a young girl wearing a whole bunch of clown makeup walks up and gives him some plastic flowers and welcomes him to whoop whoop. And as the whole town's standing there staring at him, Teddy just passes out. <laughs> Teddy wakes up tied to a bed as Angie sings more song show tunes and brings a tray of breakfast. That's when he finds out that he and Angie are now married. Turns out they drugged Teddy and had a wedding for him. They had to put him in a wheelbarrow to get him to say to where he could say his vows. I don't think he actually said them. I think somebody might have said the vows for him. Yeah. It was uh, it was like a shotgun wedding in a kangaroo court. Yes, and kangaroo hors d'oeuvres. Oh man, hell yeah! I mean, no, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> the reason they got married is through their little road trip. Teddy told Angie that he liked her, so they had sex. Then he told her that he loved her because she asked him to, and then. He said, happily ever after. So she knocked him out. They drugged him. He got married. Welcome to Whoop Whoop. Yeah, but like to him, that was just the same, you know, like happily ever after. But like there, that's like kind of like saying, you know, want to get married. 
It's like, yeah. So, yeah. So it's like, he's just a dumb shit. And she was like the fucking, you know, kitten on the prowl. Yeah. You know? I mean, just like in A Boy and His Dog, this girl, this girl had left her community to go find a husband from outside her family and bring new genetics into the community. Yeah. This is a lot like that movie, you know? It's just there's no dog. Well, there is a dog. And, there is uh, a dog. It's, it's got that weird-ass, like, Andy Griffith small town, like, weird-ass backwards, kind of like fucking vibe. And, like, Mad yeah. Max, like, all not post-apocalyptic, but just weird Australian insanity. Right. Well, Teddy doesn't want to be married to Angie, so she punches him in the face again and then immediately feels bad for it. He wants ice uh, to go on his busted face, but they don't have any ice. So she grabs a piece of meat out of a cooler. Turns out it's a kangaroo steak and slaps it on his face. Teddy wakes up covered with creepy plastic dolls and he wanders out into the town as Getting to Know You plays over loudspeakers, and the town is filled with some very strange people. Folks pretty much share clothes, because there's there's uh, lots of guys in dresses in this town. Yeah. Lots of people in just their underwear. Yeah. It, it, it's it pretty bizarre. Kinda, it kind of reminds me of some places I've delivered pizza to in this town. Yes, definitely. All right, yeah, no, it's, it's out there. It's like back and beyond, boondocks. Yeah, whoop, whoop, they ain't lying, yeah. Yeah, this uh, this this town is one of the reasons why um, there was a road that we would not deliver to as well. Yeah, no, a couple of those in the local bar. Teddy meets Daddy O. Daddy O is Angie's father, and he explains the rules of living in Whoop Whoop. There are only three rules. Rule number one is no private property. He explains this as he distributes all of Teddy's cash. This town also does not exist as far as the rest of the world knows. It's not on any map. Nobody knows about it. They are completely off-grid. Rule number two is that nobody leaves without Daddy-O's permission, and his permission is never given. Teddy tried to explain that he never actually proposed to Angie, but that's not the way things work in Wolfno. Daddy-O explains that, that if he's calling his daughter a liar, well, then him and Teddy are going to have a, a problem. So Teddy, Teddy gives up, you know, rather than fight just now. And the wedding reception in the bar gets underway. As music plays, everybody starts chanting Daddy-O. So Daddy-O gets up on the bar and puts on his tap shoes, which are connected to a car battery so that sparks fly off his feet as he dances on the bar. Oh, man. This whole scene has more energy than anything in that Moulin Rouge movie. <laughs> it makes Coyote Ugly look tame. Oh, yeah. Nah. <laughs> this place got it going on. Uh, it's got, like, all the crazy people in town. Uh, there's this one guy that looks like Shaggy. He's, like, dancing. There's, like, a dog, like, over him. Uh, 4X cans everywhere. It's just, it's really fun. It looks like a good, a good party. Yeah. <laughs> well, off in a corner, Reg explains rule number three to Teddy, which is essentially don't bang anybody you're related to. Teddy feels like he's in a far side cartoon. Uh, he explains that uh, uh, there's two elk 
and one of them has a bullseye on his chest, and the other one says, damn, Vern, that's a really unfortunate birthmark. That's fucking brilliant. I love that far side. <laughs> I love uh, the far side. Yeah, I used to post those like uh, on Facebook a lot, and that was one of my favorite ones, yeah. But just Gary Larson's fucking a genius, man. Yeah. I wish he'd still make him, because I know he's still got some in him. Yeah. But he had to quit drawing cartoons so that he could focus on his jazz guitar lessons. Hey, man, you got to do what you love, you know. Exactly. Uh, next, to see Teddy staring at a giant pile of empty tin cans. This is their trash pile. The ground is too rocky for them to dig a hole and bury their trash, so they just pile it up, and periodically they will light it on fire, and they call that garbage day. <laughs> at the top of the hill, beyond the garbage dump, there's another building, and Teddy climbs up to investigate. It is uh, a processing plant where they turn dead kangaroos into dog food. Yeah. Dog food uh, called Woof Woof. Woof Woof from Woof Woof. <laughs> it's got that classic, like, dog food. Like, it's just a picture of a dog's face on a blue can, like, type shit. Yeah. As he watches, Angie comes out from, in, from, from inside this building wearing a rain poncho covered with blood. A mining dump truck, one of those great big massive things, backs up there and drops off more kangaroos, which it turns out they butcher with chainsaws. Yeah. She just comes out like covered in blood and like a plastic thing. Like she just left like, I don't know, like a Gallagher, uh, Gallagher stand up. <laughs> and she's smoking yeah. a cigarette. And yeah, she just got off like a, you know, I don't know, two, three hour like fucking shift of like just. Char uh, chopping up kangaroos with a damn chainsaw. Yeah. Crazy. And then, like, the whole time, yeah, there's show tunes playing in the background. And, like, little lady stuffing cans with, like, shovels, you know? It's just crazy. It's <laughs> fucking show. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. That night, there's a couple people having sex in the bed of an old pickup truck. Crystal, who is married to the possibly gay hairdresser Midget is dancing in the middle of the street with a cockatoo. Now, let me let me go back and rephrase that. The hairdresser isn't a possibly gay midget. The hairdresser is possibly gay, and his name is Midget, and he's a normal-sized dude. Yeah. It's bizarre. He looks yeah. like he came straight out of a flock of seagulls. He looks, yeah, he looks like Wham. He looks like the other dude. <laughs> he looks like the other dude, but he's got like uh, the... George Michael's hair. Yeah. And Teddy is in the honeymoon suite, raging about his situation out loud as Angie is laying on the bed asleep. But it turns out she's not actually asleep. She's hearing everything he says, except she's not really hearing everything she, he says. She's only hearing the things that she wants to hear, like she's the best lay in the Southern Hemisphere, which means Teddy gets some more sex right now. <laughs> and a couple of pervs are watching from the guard outpost. Crystal is looking for Midget a little bit later. Um, it turns out he's not at home. He's left her a note, and he is making a run for it. He's going to try to get out of this place. Uh, shots ring out as he tries to escape, and the guards in the outpost are, are trying to stop him. Uh, but they're missing, and Midget starts climbing the rock. Daddy-O comes running with his shotgun, yelling, don't kill him until I can watch. 
As Daddy-O gets there, the spotlight finds Midget. Daddy-O takes a shot, killing Midget and making Crystal a widow. Next day, they have a funeral for Midget. And by funeral, I mean they all gather around the dog food processing plant as Midget's body gets dumped in to be ground up for dog food. <laughs> oh, man. That thing, like, uh, it shows, you know, like, the thing backing up and shit. And then it goes back and it's like, this like little old lady and then he turns around and it's the main guy just dressed as like a little old lady he's like wearing a little old lady hat yeah. and shit yeah and chop suey is playing as they're grinding up uh yeah. midget for dog teddy might be planning an escape of his own he finds his microbus has been mostly disassembled daddy-o explains to him that this is damage from when he hit the kangaroo or from when he were swerved to miss the kangaroo and when you actually see a kangaroo, you're supposed to floor it and hit the kangaroo. That's why you have a rhubarb on the front. He offers to let Teddy fix the microbus, and if he can, he'll pay him four marbles a week. Apparently, marbles are what they use for money in Woof Woof. However, Daddy-O is keeping the keys around his neck. Cut to Crystal teaching some kids some chainsaw maintenance as other kids shoot at Teddy's dog. Didn't know he had a dog until just now. Yeah, the dog kind of adopted him. It, it just, throughout the, the whole, him getting to know the place, the dog's like, he's either hanging out with it or like it's like just in the scene with him, you know, somewhere on the ground, you know, it's not really his dog, but yeah, it's a dog. He, he it, you know, he adopted it. Yeah. The kids are shooting at the dog because it's dog day. Uh, Teddy intercepts him and, and tells him to leave the dog alone. One of them's got a shotgun. And so Teddy, all Bugs Bunny style, just sticks his fingers in the barrel of the shotgun until the kids back down. And he looks over and he sees Crystal leading this huge pig on a leash. <laughs> just weird stuff. It's yeah, never no. explained. We will see the pig again, but the pig doesn't make any sense. Why are they eating kangaroos and dogs when they have all this bacon just walking around town? Uh, they probably milked that pig. It's probably pig milk somewhere around. <laughs> These people look like they drink pig milk, Mike. They do. <laughs> like none of them. Can, yeah, everybody's got like a like an eye patch or like a bandage on their eye. No one can see. You know, they're not right. getting new and shit. I mean, this place is crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. Teddy is playing three-card Monty with Crystal. She's betting marbles on where the cards are, and uh, Teddy lets her win. Meanwhile, there's a Christmas party in the bar with a punch bowl full of pork and beans. They're probably drinking that shit, too. Uh, I mean, this is like, why else would you put pork and beans in a punch bowl? I don't know, man. That's that's some Australian shit. That's like <laughs> leftover from everything. I don't know. But, There's also a woman dressed in bags of wine. Yeah, yeah I like that. That I can take that. I like that how this is a a Christmas movie, and it's like a Christmas movie in Australia because like they it's summer there during Christmas right. time. Right. So yeah, I like that whole thing. Yeah, their December is like our July. Yeah, it's like uh, but it's like uh, Lethal Weapon. Like Lethal Weapon's just a Christmas movie because there's some Christmas trees. Yes, like. Somewhere in that movie. Yeah, this woman is dressed in bags of wine and everybody just walks up to her and pushes a button on the bag of wine to fill their glass up. I've been some parties that were like that, like some raves in the woods and shit. 
they, I they believe the, you. Yeah, no, it's it's not that bad. Box wine club. <laughs> it's, it's future. Like, you know, it's going to be a, a hit. It's going to be a smash. There you go. Well, Daddy-O calls Duffy on the carpet when he finds out that Duffy has been having sex with his cousin. That's who was who was doing it in the back of that pickup truck we saw earlier. Duffy has to take a beating for Daddy-O from Daddy-O for breaking rule number three because you don't poke your cousins. You poke your cousins, you end up with runts, and runts get strangled at birth. Uh, Teddy intervenes, and, and as he drags Duffy out, Reg gets them singing a Christmas carol, which Angie interrupts the carol to announce that she's pregnant. She's standing on a balcony in the bar, which collapses and dumps Angie right on top of Teddy. <laughs> it's like uh, Christmas on a Jerry Springer episode or some shit. Yeah, it really is. Movie night. And the whole town gathers to watch The Sound of Music. Angie is giving Teddy grief for bringing his dog to the movie. So Teddy heads to the bathroom <laughs> as everybody sings along with the movie. Duffy is peeping in the window of the Founders Club, which is upstairs from the bar. Inside the Founders Club, Daddy-O, Moose, who is Duffy's dad, and Reggie, are in Daddy-O's secret man cave where they watch football games, drink cold beer, and microwave wiener schnitzel and fries, which is kind of a problem because the rest of the town has to eat pineapple chunks and kangaroo steaks. Also, there's like a carton of Marlboro's. Yes. Ginger and, wanted and, uh, Marlboro's for Christmas, and all she got was a can of pineapple chunks. Yeah, a can of pineapple chunks and a bag of rolling tobacco. It's like hell of shit. But Daddy-O and Moose and Reg, well, they got the Marlboros up in the Founders Club. I want to time out right quick. Yeah. That guy, Moose, creepiest looking dude. He looks like a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a, like a, a, a man from a Ren and Stimpy cartoon. He's just creepy as shit. He's always smiling. Yeah. When he talks, his mouth doesn't move. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. You got to do, uh, what is it you can't face? What do you mean? Okay, there's like, there's a scene where like he goes up there, right? And he sees the uh, Founders Club. Yeah. And then he comes back and it's like movie participation. They're like, they're waiting for this one scene where this nun comes in. Right. And she's like, she says, what's the matter that you can't face? But she says, it's like a British accent. And she says it really quick because she's like, it's a dramatic scene. She's like, she comes in <laughs> and they think that she's saying... What's the matter, cunt face? <laughs> and everybody says, everybody says it at the exact same time as she says it, and they all laugh and scream. And then it, it cuts back. You know, he's at the Founders Club, and he comes back, acts like he went to the bathroom, sits down, and like, what I miss? And then she, like, looks at him pissed off, like, what's the matter, you cunt face? And he's like, what did I say? What did I do? <laughs> I just say I knew that here I'd be away from it. I'd be safe. Not here. Our Abbey is not to be used in this case. What is it you can't face? What a miss. What is it you can't face? That's like one of the, the like, I don't know, highlights of the movie, I think. Yeah, yeah. Next day, Teddy asks Duffy what the big red is. And he shows him a cave drawing, an aboriginal cave or rock drawing. 
of a giant red kangaroo that can kill a man with a single punch and bite him in half. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And that's the last we're going to hear about him for a bit. The town gathers to see Teddy unveil the microbus. He has completely restored it, which prompts Daddy-O to give him a 20 marble bonus. Next, Teddy's doing a magic trick. Daddy-O asks him, you got any more magic trick? So Teddy pulls out a magic trick in the bar. He is going to saw Crystal in half with a chainsaw. Hell yeah. (laughs) And he puts her in in the box. Angie immediately gets upset. Ha, yeah, okay. Uh, all right. Like, he asked for volunteer, okay? And, like, no, everybody's hesitant. They're looking at him. They know it's a real chainsaw. You know, they know this is real. They're like, oh, I don't know. Uh, and, like, Angie, of course, she's like, I'm pregnant, you fucking idiot. You know, and he's like, all right, anybody else? And yeah. so, like, yeah, he gets his sister up there. He puts her in the thing. He does the trick. Close it out. Everybody's like clapping. They're paying attention to his sister. You know, he's up there with her holding her hand, smiling. And then she immediately just starts screaming and like baby running out of the room. Like some, like you took something away from a baby. You're like, hey, get that yeah. out of your mouth. And she just screams at the top of her lungs and just like kind of just like runs out the room with a beer in her hand. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Teddy cuts. I mean, he's obviously cutting around this box. He's not cutting through the box. No. Yeah. Opens up the box and Crystal steps out and they take a bow and everybody loves it. And Angie just loses her shit in a jealous rage. And Daddy-O doesn't like it either. Oh, no. He saw what he was doing. That night, Teddy is hanging out with Crystal, and they're interrupted when somebody comes running to find Teddy. They call him Mr. Bojangles, too. (laughs) They take him to the garage where drunken Daddy-O has completely dismantled the microbus again. Also, Teddy's dog has been killed because it's dog day. (laughs) Teddy goes, no, it's not. Dog day was last week. Yeah, you know how it is. Every day's fucking dog day. These kids, you know, they love their sports, you know. Yeah, yeah. So Daddy-O is taking out his revenge on Teddy for pissing off his little girl. There's a fucking, there's like an axe in the fucking thing. He just like totally puts an axe in the door. Yeah. Next day, the town gathers to play their version of cricket with Daddy-O as a referee and also as a player. Teddy and Duffy have put together a gang of their own and they are coming for Daddy-O. This doesn't make any sense. This is a potential fight that ends with story time. Yeah. Uh, Whole fight diffused by story time. I feel like there was some more stuff maybe leading up to this that got cut. I mean, Probably that, it, so. it's like a build up to this shit. Because it's like, where? how do you get all these other people on his side? You know, what did he do? I mean, I know he's kind of, I mean, I know he's got the thing over his head with the Founders Club. That's like right. the original scar that he's picking, you know? But there's got to be something else that happened. But yeah, this is the showdown. And for bad guy monologue in a weird-ass, shitty Australian movie, this guy just takes the cake. This is a great oh, monologue yeah. work. Yeah. Got guy in the background backing him up. That's creepy as shit. The cinematography is great in this scene. Yes, it is. So Teddy reveals to the entire town that up in the Founders Club, while everybody's down here bitching about having to eat pineapple chunks, Daddy-O, Moose, and Reg have wiener schnitzels and cold beer. Oh, and by the way, Ginger, all those Marlboros he wanted, Daddy-O's up there smoking them. 
like half a truck or something. Yeah. Well, everybody's kind of upset, and that's when Daddy O starts telling the history of how Whoop Whoop came to be. It turns out this was a mining town, and the asbestos mine, there, there was a mining accident, a, a fire in the mine that killed a bunch of people. And there was a big settlement. The mining company paid them all and shut down the mine and moved them all to the city. But they weren't happy there, so they came back. The land had been given back to the indigenous people, and so it did not officially exist. However, there weren't any aborigines around here, so they just resettled the area and claimed it as their own. And uh, this is where they've lived ever since. And apparently this was the pep talk everybody needed to remember that it doesn't matter what Teddy says, daddy in charge, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And when the whole town cheers Daddy-O, Teddy and his uh, crowd back down. Cut to Teddy burying his dog. Crystal brought plastic flowers for the grave. Angie's nowhere to be found. So obviously Crystal and, and Teddy are going to strike up a romance. Oh, yeah. They are going to meet up during the movie that night. And at the movie, Reg offers Teddy a joint with weed that was supposedly grown from Jerry Garcia's seed. <laughs> and it turns out it's really strong weed. Yeah. Teddy leaves to meet Crystal. And at Crystal's house, Teddy brought her flowers. Crystal's wearing a white gown with a sash. And she and Teddy are having fondue in the middle of the bar. She tells the story of how she met Midget. Apparently the girls are allowed to leave town once in a while to find a husband. And as she's telling this story, Andy, Angie busts in and catches them together. Teddy tries to calm her down, so she knocks him out again. You think he'd learn to duck those punches once in a while? I know, right? I mean, she's got a mean left hook, but it's like, <laughs> you're married to her. You ought to know this by now. I mean, I know it's been like a week or something. But... <laughs> Angie leaves and yells for Teddy to follow her. And as he's headed out the door, he proposes an escape plan with Crystal. And she's in. Cut to a sing-along at the movies. or and, and also in the bar, kind of? Well, while they're having their date, it keeps on going to the movies. And it shows like them interacting, doing the movie interaction thing. That's intercut. And then movie night spills over into the bar. Yeah. Everybody's drunk after the movie night. They're dancing on the bar. They're singing songs from the movie. And Ginger collapses on the bar. Um, she does not seem at all well, and Daddy-O is in complete denial about it. Yeah, she'll be fine. Let's give her a couple more cans of piss to put a dent in it. Yep, exactly. And Crystal, see, Crystal goes to Reggie for something to help her sleep, so Reggie gives her a bottle of pills. Reggie is also the pharmacy. <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, yeah, she if I had a commune and stuff, that guy would totally be my pharmacist. 100%. Oh, yeah. I don't know about the DJ bit. I mean, his music, his taste in music is a little uh, cornball for me, but yeah, I'd definitely well, I, be the pharmacist. I would give him a playlist. It's not like, yeah, you know what I mean? I would, I would supply him with the record. I'm not going, yeah, no, nah, I'm going down like that. Yeah. Well, she take Crystal takes these pills and starts crushing them into powder. Cut to Teddy in the bar. He's poured his beer into a glass. And then he dumps just a shit ton of salt in it to make it foam. 
I love everybody fishing. likes good head. Yeah. Oh man. It's this total uh it's the age old story of like uh city boy coming in a bunch of country guys showing them a neat city boy trick. That's what we do in yeah. big city, you know? And they're like, Oh, look at that fancy lad. I'm gonna do that and they do it. And they're like, of course he's a magician, so it's sleight of hand and shit. So he's putting salt in it. He gives them it's like half salt, half sleeping pills. Yes. And they do it, and they're like, they keep on doing it, you know. They're like, going to go to town on it, you know. Yeah, he gives it to Reggie and Moose and 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 Daddy O and and the, the lookouts in the in the tower. The whole town wants to try it, so they try it. They get drugged and knocked out. Meanwhile, Christy and Angie are with Ginger. It turns out Ginger has cancer and is very near death. She talks to Teddy. And explains that, you know, he really should just put up with Daddy-O for a little while because he's not going to live forever. And then Teddy could be in charge. Teddy leans over to give her a kiss on the cheek, and but she whispers something to him and then rips a huge fart. Pardon. Teddy wants Crystal to leave with him, but her mom is dying, so she tells him to leave without her. He's not going to do it. Daddy-O is passed out in the pig pen. <laughs> basically a mud hole, and the pig is grunting at him, and he yells it. He thinks it's his wife, and you know, Ginger, quit your snoring. <laughs> Next day, Ginger has died. Crystal finds Daddy-O in the bar, and he's, he's still kind of in denial, thinking she's going to be just fine, and that's when Crystal tells him that she actually died. Teddy is sitting on the stairs and he drinks a toast to Ginger and everybody goes to get dressed for the funeral. Montage. Yep. Everybody putting on their best polyester double knit suit and wide tie. They dress Ginger up in her best ball gown and place her in a chair with a cross made out of beer cans and they carry Ginger to the trash pile. In the funeral procession, Teddy is walking next to Crystal and notices that Crystal has the keys to his VW. Some of the guys are carrying torches as they head to the trash pile. Teddy runs off as they approach the trash pile, making puking noises for some reason. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah, I don't know what that was about. I think, well, I, I guess he was outraged by what he saw was going to happen. I don't know. It's either that or it's a ploy. Yeah, it could have been just a ploy. Like, oh, the city boy can't take it. He's running off, you know? I mean, it is kind of gruesome. This is, like, a really dark... It's one of, like, two or three dark moments in this movie where it's like, oh, my God, this is kind of fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, Daddy-O carries Ginger up to the top of the trash pile and lays her there as the rest of the guys pour gasoline on the trash pile. Crystal follows after Teddy, and when she does, Reg lights a flare and lights the trash pile on fire. Teddy is climbing up the rocks to where the mining truck is. And, and Crystal looks back over her shoulder at this giant pile of burning trash against the night sky. And the flames reach the top and you hear a fart noise and a giant flame <laughs> shoots up. And the whole crowd says, pardon. Yes, but yeah, it's, this movie goes dark. And like once you, it's like you think it's going to get so dark, you know. It just levity, like right in, like fucking <laughs> You feeling sad yet? Fart. Fart, yeah. <laughs> it's not allowed around here. 
can't you can't be sad around here. Yeah. Well, Angie catches Teddy at the house. He turns out he went back to get his watch because that watch is 18 karat gold, right? <laughs> she says Reggie thinks she might have twins and asks if he wants to feel them. It turns out it wasn't the twins that she wanted him to feel. So uh, she actually wants to have sex again. Teddy says she's been a very naughty girl and naughty girls need to be tied up and spanked. Uh, next to see Reggie. Or, or Teddy leaving the house and he climbs out a window and jumps off the balcony, startles Duffy and his cousin making out. Well, Teddy thinks he's been caught, but Duffy isn't telling anybody. And Teddy says, you know, Duff, you got me. All you got to do is whistle. Duff says, ah, oh, you know me. I couldn't whistle if my ass was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so Teddy and Crystal make a run for the mining truck while Angie is bound and gagged upstairs. See Teddy climbing up the up the rock wall. He manages to reach the top. Daddy O spots him. Uh, Angie has managed to escape and sounds the alarm as Teddy and Crystal climb into the mining truck to leave. So Daddy O and Angie hop in the microbus and give chase. Apparently, they misjudged the size of the garage door, and when they drove out, it just ripped the top off the microbus. <laughs> Teddy tells Crystal as they're driving away in this big-ass mining truck that Crystal, that Angie wasn't really pregnant, and he knows this because that's what Ginger whispered to him right before she died. Dun-dun-dun! I know. Well, that's when Daddy-O starts shooting at him. They've caught up to him in the microbus. The top is ripped open, cabriolet style. And and they're they're shooting at him with a shotgun. Yeah, He's trying it, to shoot the tires out of this mining truck with a shotgun. Tires that are made to withstand sharp boulders. And he's trying to shoot yeah, them with a shotgun. It's a fucking, they, they're called like earth movers. Yeah. Bears. Uh, I've seen them in a couple of movies. There is a. There's a fucking Jackie you Chan could, movie. You could literally put a dump truck in the back of one of these things. Yeah, so it's like a VW microbus. It's all beat all to hell. And like, yeah, like a drunk old guy and like a crazy lady with a shotgun chasing an earth mover. Uh, it's just insane. This whole movie's insane. You knew that by this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, when the shotgun doesn't work, Angie's got a better idea. She gets an axe. That's the axe that was in the door, yeah. <laughs> yes. And for some reason, I guess Teddy wanted to reason with him. He has climbed out of the cab of this truck, and it's basically got a ladder and platform up there so that you can get up into it. And he's standing on that trying to kick at them in the microbus as Angie's swinging this axe at him. Um, Teddy is not smart when it comes to fighting, not even a little bit. Uh -huh. But it's, it is like that epic Mad Max uh, Keystone Cat Cop, kind of like pivotal yeah. part in him. So, yeah, he's like on the top of the roof or the top of the, what is that? It, the hook? It's, the like, it's like two cars speeding down the highway and somebody's leaning out the window of each of the cars and they're trying to have a slap fight in the middle of the interstate. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, Daddy-O manages to pull in front of the mining truck and that's when uh, Teddy gets back in the truck and tells her to, to hit him. Well, he's actually still standing on the front of the truck. But he tells her to ram the microbus. 
And she does, but that's when they notice some kind of light up ahead, which is weird because they're in the middle of the desert where there's nothing. Uh, Crystal flips on the big spotlights on this truck to reveal just a huge gathering of kangaroos in the middle of the road. And then lightning strikes one of them to reveal the big red. Great big red kangaroo that's bigger than the VW microbus. And Daddy-O follows his own advice and just floors it straight toward this big red kangaroo. They hit and then disappear. And Crystal and Teddy are in the mine truck asking, and Crystal says, where did they go? And about that time, the microbus comes crashing back down to the ground. Um, They both look out the window as Angie takes another shot at him. She almost hit him. She busted the mirror, but they just drive off. And as they're driving away, as after the sun has come up, they pass Leon. He's playing his didgeridoo. And Crystal and Teddy drive off into the desert happily ever after and roll credits. But wait, there's more. Uh, if you let the credits roll all the way to the end, it, they, it goes to like a record store that the, the couple opens up on in like Sydney or like, you know, Auckland yep. or something. And then two kids walk in. They look like hippies. <laughs> they're named Honey and Cher. And it turns out <laughs> they're what's her name's kids from her first husband before she married Midget. Oh, my God. I- yeah. Tubi screwed me on this one. They cut it off before it I, got to that point. Yeah, no. Nah, uh, I only know that because I used to, I, I watched this like a bunch. I watched it when it came out like on VHS, you know. But Because uh, yeah. what's weird is when Angie told Teddy that she was having twins, he suggested they name them Sonny and Cher. Cher, yeah. And then, yeah, it was a callback. It was like some stupid little setup that you ain't think, like, oh, they edited that out. And I don't know why they left that, you know, set up in. But yeah, there's actually a, a payoff for that. Nice. Nice. This was this was fun. It was just a stupid little movie. Obviously, the the director thought this was going to be um as big a hit as Priscilla Queen of the Desert, but I mean, maybe you can't catch lightning in a bottle a second time. No, you can't. Hey, that sucks cuz he's like like I said he'll he'll push you up to like a, a really intense emotional scene, you know, and then yeah. he'll jank, yank it back and it'll like be a fart joke. And <laughs> I and don't it, care. I don't, fart jokes are always funny. Yeah. Well, he did the same thing in Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Like it keeps, it's like a build up. How uncomfortable can I make it? How real can I get it? And then weird joke, you know? And so like it, it worked in that one. I think he was like, not a lot of like uh, producers and shit into it, so he pushed the envelope a lot in that one, you know. Yeah. But yeah, in this one, it, it definitely felt watered down, and like there's just too many like little things going on, trying to like paint the picture that is this right. crazy town that you don't really get a like nothing really follows the narrative. It's just like little vignettes in this fucking weird town, and then yeah, crappy ending tagged onto it. I liked it though. I mean, it's fucking weird. It's, uh, yeah, it sounded like he, he had a half-formed idea. Yeah. Threw in some Hollywood elements to make a a commercially viable movie and never really finished the idea, you know? Yeah. It's like it's like working and working, and then they spent too much character building, which they did some good character building. But 
Right. No payoff, so it's like it goes nowhere. It's bullshit. Yeah. But it was a fun movie to watch. Oh, yeah. Good campy fun for the family. Yes. Yeah. With mild incest. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just just enough to like, oh, God, no. And make you click the channel real quick. But, yeah. Yeah. I guess it's the good kind. <laughs> <laughs> I need a drink. All right, man. I think that's a podcast. Hell yeah, man. That was good. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at CDFpod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to Patreon.com slash CDFpod. Join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made.